0: Hi, I'm Rich Fournier. In this episode, I sit down with real estate agent and Red Diamond Award winner Sue Burke and her daughter, Britt Burke-Bren from Royal LePage Lakes of Muskoka Realty. And they're gonna share some ideas on what it takes to achieve high levels of success in the cottage market. Plus, you're gonna learn how mother-daughter team navigate in this crazy game of real estate. So if you wanna learn how to produce at a high level in the cottage market, stay tuned for some awesome, awesome content.
1: Have you ever wondered why some people thrive in all areas of their life? Welcome to the Peak Results Academy podcast with your host, Rich Fournier. Each week, we interview industry experts who consistently dominate in the fields of health, business, and beyond. Our mission is to share their personal struggles and strategies so that you can create your own peak results. Welcome to the Academy.
0: Hello everybody, Rich Forney here from the Peak Results Academy podcast and I'm super excited today to be bringing you this interview. Um, This family that we're going to interview is actually Northern Ontario, which is in the Muskoka region. Sue Burke and her daughter, Britt, um, have created some amazing results in that marketplace today. Um, They are with Royal LePage, uh, Muskoka, based out of Huntsville. We're super excited to have them here to help us understand how they've created a peak result uh, in the cottage business. So thank you so much, Sue and Britt, for being on the podcast today.
2: Thank you for inviting us.
3: Yeah, thanks
0: for having us. I really appreciate it. Now you have a very unique situation. I mean, I work with my wife. Uh, I'm the front. I'm the big mouth. Um, my wife has our support system in the back, but um, you guys work together as a, as a team. And I think you're a third generation team. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So your dad started in the business. How long ago?
2: Um, In the 1970s, he ditched the executive career traveling the world to be at home with his wife and children more and moved to Huntsville and got into the real estate industry way before people were doing it. He was a real maverick.
0: It sounds like it was. I mean, if I look at, you know, we sold some properties here on Lake Simcoe and looking at some of the original deeds, you know, buying Lakefront for, you know, 10,000 bucks.
2: I mean, it's, he would have been a maverick. Commission rate was 10% in those days. Was it really?
3: Yeah, but selling cottages, he had to drive two hours to Toronto just to get someone to sign a document and then two hours back to Huntsville or even further north. So
2: did I though my day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean (laughs) thirty-two years ago there was faxes were just a thing of the future. (laughs) Right. Yes, that's (laughs) bad, isn't
0: it? I had you I did use fax machines when I was in the financial world. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Now
0: this podcast is really about Delving deep into someone's business, trying to figure out what's created a peak result. Um, specifically, in this example, somebody in the real estate industry. We all know that very, very few realtors survive, let alone thrive in the real estate business. Now, you've had the opportunity of uh, achieving the red diamond level for LePage. Um, all that means is that you've served a lot of people. We're not going to get into the actual numbers, but that tells me that you have served a ton of people. And um, that that means that you do a great job. So my job today is to figure out what are you doing to create that peak result? So tell me a little bit about how you got started in the business.
2: Uh, well, so my dad started in the business in the 70s. I graduated from Ryerson Marketing Advertising. Mm-hmm. So I worked for a marketing company down at St. Clair & Young, a very good marketing company, but I hated market research. It just wasn't for me. And then I thought about getting into advertising in Toronto. And uh, my dad said, I was getting married, my dad said, why don't you go up north to the cottage area, to our cottage, and uh, start uh, getting into real estate. I think you would be really great at it, because he had he was already doing it. And I said, sure. So I took the real estate course, and we moved to Huntsville, and never looked back.
0: And you, so you sounded like it's, it's so easy to... It, it was. It,
2: right? <laughs> The first five years, every day I'd look at the one ads. I mean, I was doing, I did well right away. I was, I really worked hard. But the first five years I kept thinking, I I just, I'm sure I can do something that's going to be easier, less stressful, and uh, less hours generated for the same. I, I just felt that I could maybe do something different. And after five years I couldn't find anything I liked better. So I stayed with it and stopped looking at one ads. You know,
0: there's a lot of people who never admit that, like, you know, I talk to a lot of agents every day. And, you know, some of them share with me, my God, if I could find something else, I, I would do it. Or, you know, I've been through massive challenges in this business myself. I mean, I almost went bankrupt when we first started. And um, um I don't think we talk enough about how challenging it is in the beginning. Never mind, like not in a suburb where like where I am to go and reach out to people at individual cottages, the boats, the gas, the weather, and then communicating
2: with them how did you do that in the beginning in the beginning it was mail outs it was personal mail outs and in those days you were allowed to before the privacy act uh, taking policy we could get a whole list from the municipalities and i'd get a whole list of people's home addresses and i'd mail out letters to buffalo i'd mail out letters to you know all over canada states into europe people that had properties and i really uh, concentrated on some residential in huntsville i like the residential market but i've I was a cottage kid. We grew up in Toronto. I grew up in Toronto and we had a cottage and I know how it changed my life. So I really wanted to get into the waterfront market from the beginning. So I had to reach out to people that didn't live here. And I, in, in business at Ryerson, you learn how to do letter writing, like business letter oh, writing. Yeah. Right. yeah you, you benefit was one thing we did. Resume writing, you benefit. So when you had a resume, you had to pop into a business. So I, I wrote letters pretty, very from the heart because I was new and I was scared and also, but you benefit things. How, how can I help these people, you know, with my new skills? And I it was lovely. People wrote back to me and said, I'm not even thinking about selling, but I I want to write back to you to say, I really appreciate your letter. And if I ever do. And I ended up with this lovely doctor from Buffalo who had a beautiful place on fairy Lake in my area. And he and his wife listed with me. And I met, uh, the buyers ended up contacting me and, um, big CEO of a large Canadian company and his wife, which was a, she was a teacher and and they bought it. And that sort of that deal, that double ender, as they called it, uh, in those days really got me, kept me going, you know? And then I had another deal and I did a couple of commercial deals, sold a couple of resorts. And cause I was just not afraid. And I was, you know, just, just out there trying to help people. And if I didn't know something I asked and I found all those things to be, um, got my career going, you know, I just was,
0: So massive effort in the beginning. Like you literally hand wrote how many letters?
2: Lots. (laughs) Lots and lots. Probably, probably literally like every night when every night I would sit, um, when I finished my business and I just write out letters, write out letters and write. And, and sometimes like they'd all be in the same sort of area. So I, you know, say you know, I love your location, uh, you know, I voted I by and, and just explain how, you know, what I thought about sometimes their places from the water and, and their location and they were just like so touched that it was so personal, right? Um, you know, it's interesting, today's market, you know, I type
0: out an email, I send it, even if it's heartfelt, it's almost like it's pushed away because we're so over communicated too. Yeah. So how do you break through the noise today? Britt, like like, when you look at breaking through the noise today as a realtor, how do you guys do that?
3: Yeah, we have to talk about how we're going to benefit them a lot of the time or else people just, you know, it's almost like spam to them. They don't want to hear from you if they don't know you. Um, They want to know if they're looking for a cottage. Sometimes they just want to hear the information on that one cottage and then they, you know, they just want to work by themselves. You have to tell them why they should be working with one person, what you bring to the table, what you really have to offer them if they continue to work with you and your expertise and that you're going to be loyal to them if they continue to work with you. So you really have to, you know, um, let people know how it's going to benefit them. Otherwise, they really, they want nothing to do with being attached to one single person. You know, it's, and
2: Rachel, I am going to call you Richard, Richard. I see you can call me Richard. (laughs) All right. I've been called so many things in my lifetime. That's good, we used to have a good good friend named Rich that we like. So Rich is a good name. Um, So I also would tell Britt, because the hardest thing to do today, and I'm always hammering it to her, that pick up the phone. You know, if you really want to have a client, if you want them to be your client, emails are so impersonal. And emails work most of the time. We mostly email because our clients are busy or text. We don't want to interrupt their busy days. But sometimes you have to pick up the phone, you have to have your human voice um, with your emotions and their emotions and have a conversation so you can truly understand their their feelings their, their, and, and you can empathize. It's hard to empathize in, in an email. So I really think that phoning, the old-fashioned, I would say to my clients, I'm sorry to be so old-fashioned, but I'd like to arrange a phone call. Just like us talking here. Like right. This cannot be done with email. We, we need to personally phone. And now with the pandemic, I think it really is reaching people to say, you know, pick up the phone, you know, it's still a safe thing to do and and speak to somebody because it's going to make them, I think it's going to, it makes them more loyal, but also helps me to understand them and Brittany too. Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's more difficult with younger clients. I find they so often when you say, I want to give you a call, they're like, no, I, like I'm at work. Let's just text or, you know, I'm like, they don't want to talk. They they're repel like, it. They just- yeah. It's, I think that's a, uh, the younger generation for sure is something that where, you know, the personal conversation they want less to do with. Um, but yeah, it's a big bonus. And I mean, if you have more verbal conversations those clients are going to stay long term clients like i have clients that contact me all the time um, just to talk about real estate and business and i've kept them because you know we talk about personal things as well it's definitely a very personal business
0: so. yeah it it has to be and what i've found just through the, the work that we do that unfortunately text is so become so important but I, I have such a difficult time um, conveying how much I actually want to serve someone. Right. And that's where we started implementing video um, through our text, through our SMS. And, but to do that without being spammy is very, very difficult. So um, like, do you actively look for new clients every day or do you, because you're so entrenched in, in the cottage world that you find that it's easier now, or do you still have to actively push?
3: We do a bit of pushing but not really um they tend to kind of come to us we we get a few waterfront listings we get buyers from that um or you know we have someone through our website that finds our website we take them out for a showing and then after that it's pretty easy to um keep a hold of those clients um like i said you let them know how you're going to benefit them and they're pretty good about you know sticking with you after that after they've had a personal conversation with you. Um if they've just been in contact over email, it can be a little bit more difficult. Mm. Um actually getting out and showing someone something is the, definitely the best way to keep them on the hook for sure. And, right, and it's not like they out
2: of the boat. And looking for any business is really difficult now because the privacy act is so tight that you really can't reach out to someone if you, you know, you, you, there's no more letter writing. I mean, you get the the, it, the mail outs and I mean so impersonal, but I mean you really can't reach people you know on a real level with the privacy act now it's uh, most of our business comes to us and yeah. they reach out to us and they're interviewing agents and we go in and and show that we are absolutely a full service boutique for real estate business and it suits a lot of people like a lot of cottage buyers not being here we do so many and residential but we do so many things for them we alleviate a lot of the work that they would have to prepare their property. And we just take that out of their hands. And so I think that that's why people are contacting us. The words got out. and, right. and uh,
0: So uh, what would you do to prepare a place? If you don't mind me asking.
2: Uh, so uh, the first thing is we're called in for an opinion of value. And usually at that point, we're also would be with the client, or in this case, <laughs> virtually, um, su- suggesting things that we think that would, would improve value. Sometimes as much as 50000 or more. Um, and so we'll explain the things that we think should be removed, some cleaning, some and some junk removal. And then we will stage as well. We'll bring in, we'll tell them that we bring in some furniture, bring in some rugs, We'll create a space that looks more bright, airy, and more cottagey versus sometimes, you know, it's been grandma and grandpa's place since the 1960s or 50s, and a lot of people are in their 30s and 40s that are buying cottages, and they come in and just, it smells weird. (laughs) We just try to make it look like like we think is probably the demographic that's going to be the buyer.
0: What's it like to work together as a mother-daughter team? So I know my wife and I, like, she works with me, but I mean, there's some days where I'm sure she's looking for another job. She like, she doesn't want to work. <laughs> like, I am mean, I those days,
3: days. but we're, I'm really easygoing. We get along really well for the most part. Yeah. Um, we both have different ideas. Like, we can butt heads, I think, sometimes with our ideas, but I think that's a good thing that we have such differing perspectives when it comes to a lot of things it's great when we're giving prices because we both go in and then we both create our own price um we defend it to each other and yeah. then we're able to really like go back and forth and decide what we feel is actually the value yeah. of yeah. A property and it's you know it's helped a lot um to have an accurate uh understanding of value for sure
2: and also staging is funny because sometimes we're staging and the spaces and we make them look beautiful but we have a few pieces that we, you know, Brittany is a millennial, doesn't love. And she's like, oh, I hate those. And, but then I'll bring them in. I'll be like, these work here. And I'll bring them for the mall. And she's like, yeah, you're right. I keep on using these few pieces, art pieces. And she's like, no. And I bring them in. She's like, yeah. And the client's like, we love it. It's like, so you get a perspective of, you know, maybe a more mature de- decorator with the millennial. And between the two of us, we really bring it together, make it look hip, sophisticated hip.
3: Yeah, if uh, we do, if and we do yeah. a good job. And we also, you know, gotten into doing lake-specific brochures. Um, so that's a big thing. Whenever we get a listing, I mean, we—I've lived here almost all my life. You've lived here almost all your life. Cottaging, yeah. Uh So we know most lakes, but we really get uh, go in depth in each lake in our brochures um, and uh, just for cottages because a lot of times they don't really know um, if they're new to looking for a cottage or new to cottage. We do
2: residential brochures too, but yeah. it's more you know the Huntsville Wood School District, just the you know the park close by. But we really get in depth with cottage brochures so even if an agent comes if you came and showed your brother-in-law um a college because you said no rich i want to work with you and i don't you know so and you come up north and you don't know what you're doing you're stumbling around we're going to have that brochure there where you're going to know how big the lake is you're going to clean the lake is you're going to know when the regatta is you're going to know what goes on in that lake to the sailboat races and you're going to come away and your buyer's going to come away completely understanding and ready to make an offer. And that's what we do for our clients. It's amazing. We educate everybody. Yeah.
0: When you look at the top three things that has contributed to your success in regards to serving many clients and hitting those top levels, what
2: would you say those top three things are? I would say resilience, but resilience and creativity. I, can and, and you know what? I have other agents say to me, my clients want this or my clients want that. And I don't do that. And I'm like, just do it. Is it illegal and moral? Or is it going to maybe help? Yeah, I don't know. But I don't do that. I'm like, just do it. So that's been my motto. If my clients want something, if they're like, you know what? I feel my property, if it was showcased. If I feel like it's a complete waste of money, I'll explain it to them. But otherwise, I will try to do what they want me to do, you know, within reason. I mean, it's, it, we're working for them. Sure. Yeah. So, so resiliency, resiliency is number
0: one. Yeah. So resiliency for sure is number one. Secondly, what else? Can Hard work. Hard work. Hard what does that mean? You know, it's funny when I, I I talk to a lot of people about what's hard work mean to them, and I know what hard work means to me. You know, um, some agents will say hard work is calling an hour a day. Um, you know, what does hard work mean
2: for you guys and for your clients? It means being there for our clients when they need us.
3: Yeah. And getting out and, you know, even if you don't feel like it, you know, you go out and you preview all the properties listed. You, you know, just gain a better understanding of the market. You contact all the clients you have. You contact potential clients. Um, It's hard work doing a lot of things you may not want to do, but um, it's part of getting better in the business and getting your name out there more.
2: I have a good story for Brittany about hard work because she was fairly new her first year and she was at, a dinner somewhere with friends and family people, and she said, I've got I, I'm gonna get a phone call about this offer. And uh, you know, when I'm there, and I said, Well, then you excuse yourself from the table, you either go to a private room or you go to the bathroom and you do your phone call because that is what real estate agents do. And she's like, Oh, because that is honestly like once you're engaged in a deal with somebody and maybe they're in competition, you right. can't drop the ball. That's what my idea of hard work is, you continue on until the task is finished for your clients. There's no, I'm busy tonight. And if you are busy, that's why we work together. And if there's a family wedding and we're both there, for heaven's sakes, we're going to assign someone else. We don't miss, I have agents like, I have missed three weddings this year of my family. I'm like, you are insane, you know? You never do that. But you definitely, your client's needs have got to be above yours, unfortunately, yep. in the cases where once you're engaged in an offer or something really important is going on, you don't get to drop the ball.
0: Yeah, yeah one thing I'm hoping with with this you know, insanity in the world that maybe we'll go back to Sundays where where everyone says, you know, Sundays are off again. Everybody that would be brilliant if we could go back to that
2: lifestyle. Well, in this area, a lot of people, I know a lot of people that contact me will say, I know it's Sunday, but they're generally very, very serious. Like we don't do a lot of Sunday work. People don't ask. Yeah.
3: Unless it's already an ongoing offer situation or something that, you know, is pretty serious. Uh, You don't get too many you know calls from for sunday yeah from, it's all saturday we'll, we'll
2: work from saturday morning from 8 a.m till 8 p.m sometimes in the summer right. but people we'll do saturday instead of sundays we just jam up saturday and and try to take some family time on sunday if we can
0: that's great how yeah. much has technology changed how you guys operate now
3: a lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> she, i've just i've been in the business for just over three years now so i mean once i got into the business um, all that stuff, DocuSign, um, online brochures, virtual tours, that was already kind of implemented. But for you, I mean, you started from
2: 19... Polaroid
3: camera photos. And... In, in 1987,
2: <laughs> when I started, seriously, I, there was a binder for new listings. And you put them in the binder every day. You, the, the secretary would print them out. I had a Motorola phone. I was one of the first agents because I was young and people were like, so I had a Motorola phone versus just the walkie talkies like cab drivers have in their cars. We used to use, I mean, I used to drive to Toronto to go get an offer signed. If I was working with a client from Toronto and they decided four days later, you get in the car and you drive. But if you didn't, we use CNCP telepost. So you would actually have them call CNCP telepost and send a telegram to me asking me to sign the offer on their behalf. And I'm telling you, this went on for until Faxes. And I did, no deals didn't close because maybe we weren't quite so litigious. My brother's a lawyer. Sorry. <laughs> sorry to lawyers because we weren't so litigious in those days and a lot of it was intent. And if a buyer had intent to buy something and we signed on their behalf, I would never once had a problem with it. But you just think of it now and it's just like... It just seems like a, just a disastrous idea for me to sign the offer on behalf of my clients when they send a telepost telepost from their phone. Like anything could happen. But that's how I did my business. Wow. And yeah.
0: are you implementing any new types of technology for your listing clients today? Is there anything new that maybe you're thinking of doing in the future?
3: What
2: about what we saw in California? Oh,
3: yeah. We went to the Realtor Conference in California. Yeah. And, uh, we saw, found this really cool app, and um, I think it was called Cap. Let me just look up the name here.
2: But what it, what it basically did is when you put your phone over the, uh, over the picture, Captum.
3: Yeah. So what happens is once you have a photo, you can make that photo. If your client downloads this app, um, it can turn into a video. So, for example, if you have. The brochure in front of you and you take your phone put it on the front picture of that brochure it can show you a virtual tour of the property um, just through your phone it's a really cool idea so we're, we've been looking at that um, cool. that was one of the biggest things we saw at the conference that we got excited we, we about. just didn't
2: love the fact people had to download the app because that's cumbersome if you some could just find it, it yeah. yeah some people won't so we're looking now for a technology like that where someone can just put their phone over and maybe have a more easier transition. So I'm always one that I think technology—I thought it'd be farther, way farther, you know, than it is now. I think, if anything, real estate technology is still somewhat slow. I slow to move, and I think that that's speeding up because we have more young realtors. When I started in real estate, the average age of realtor was 52. I was in my. 20s. I think it's still in the 50s. Is it? I, yeah, I know Mar is saying that.
3: Yeah. Youngest person in our office. I yeah. mean, it's. I there's a few. There's another brokerage in the area with a few young realtors, but other than that. I mean, yeah. I'm one of the youngest people in real estate probably in this. School so club. that could be one reason why,
2: but I really <laughs> yeah. believe that, that our technology should really be developing more quickly yeah. and uh, hopefully people are working on that.
3: Yeah, we like using drones though for aerials with waterfront property. It's so important. Um, it's We do it for pretty much every property. We do the interactive 3D iGUIDE tours. Um, Plans. Yeah, we actually looked into doing... Um, really like the virtual tour is yeah. 3d and we had that done for a to be built um it was quite expensive to implement so we don't do that too often but it was kind of a fun thing just to dabble in yeah, if you
2: have a to be built you can actually have someone yeah. walk through it and we put furniture in it where we staged it and we had someone develop it for us here in huntsville oh. actually some super bright people working in huntsville it's a uh, Muskoka's has become a hotbed of bright millennials so you know i could
0: see going forward because of what's happening today where we're not showing um properties today where you could see where next vr which is a company tony robbins Mm -hmm. has invested in where um using your oculus or your virtual technology just to do a tour uh, Mm um that way and it's very lifelike it's almost perfect yeah Uh, it's just the the consumers, they, not a lot of them have the technology, yes, to view it. That was, there.
3: yeah, that's where we started. we would have had to have
2: them come back to, to our, our office. office and set up the virtual area, and it's like then it's like yeah, it, it gets very complicated, unfortunately. So in time, it's getting it's gonna be really exciting no what's gonna happen. I think this transition that we're going through could
0: absolutely propel these different mm-hmm. types of technologies to the forefront. If you were going to advise a new agent today who's going to enter the cottage space without any contacts, without any family history, what do they do? And, and you know what? Here's what I've learned about giving away secrets. Maybe 1% are, are going to take everything that we say and actually do something with it. So most people are never going to do it. Hint into people. Mm-hmm. But
2: what would you, how would you I have no idea of giving away all my secrets because I've mentored people over the years. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to help someone become successful. I, I I don't consider it competition because if I'm running my business properly. So I would say the biggest thing, and I tell, I have people come to interview me all the time if They they we're getting into real estate. They come to me and I'm very honest. And I tell them when I started in real estate, you know, 32 years ago, I worked and I, there was so little being done um, that, and I'm not dissing the other agents, but they were just basically throwing a sign up, Come we pull the right picture and up they went, you know, and hoping for the best. And so now I'd say you have to have like some real money behind you. After you take the course, you should have 40 to $60,000 ready to go for your marketing, um, generation Absolutely. plan. You know, you've got to start putting yourself out there because no one's going to, even in this area, no one's going to know who you are it, it, in right. any area.
3: Something free you can do is, and it's not always free, but community events, um, you can go to, we have so many events locally. We have business Commerce. after hours. We have, you know, May Marche. You go out there to those events. You start talking to people. Um, you get your name out there. You bring some business cards. That's a way to do it where you can gain contacts. Um, because other than that, I mean, Muskoka is such a hard market because everyone knows a realtor. Um, you know, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Residential
2: is so tough because it, even if I was a realtor like 10 years ago and they, oh, we loved you. Then now they, well, when I you know, the, my kid's playing lacrosse with and his dad and his best friends and his dad's a realtor so we're gonna use him i'm very sorry i'm like that's okay no worries. like fortunately it's not life or death for us i mean we we have a good business generator but you really have to a new agent's gonna be challenged to try and break through
0: right so we have two different views there and that's really interesting right so we have you're saying to start off in the we're talking cottage market like it's a different market like for me to go up and try to say i'm gonna be mr cottage guy and go out and compete, it's pretty hard to do. Mm You have In, to know the area. Yeah, that's, that's
3: another thing you should do: drive around the lakes, get to you know, get to know them. Because if you don't, that a buyer, that's going to be super obvious to a buyer right away. If you don't know the area you're showing, um, and there's so many lakes here, and they're all different, and they all have different prices and different stigmas. Different following. Um, yeah, some of you know some of them might get algae, and that's the thing. You need to know all that information, and really, that comes from experience. But I mean, you can speed that up by previewing, by talking to other agents um you know you can't
2: google it when you're at a property <laughs> and someone says what's that and you're like i'm gonna google that you, yeah. hold on. <laughs> that's that's lauren that's lauren river coming in and that's you know you have to know like basically what resort is that yeah, yeah what resort is that that we're looking towards like i don't know you know yeah. it, it makes it you, right away they start to lose faith in everything you say it's tough it, it's quite a myriad we have like hundreds of lakes here and you kind of have to know if you're getting into cottage country because my clients and bridge clients They'll start off like, I want to be on this, like this big lake. And then we end up with them, you know, up at Clear Lake or Bernard Lake. or And they're suddenly 45 minutes north of where they thought they wanted to be. And, and we keep showing them different properties and different lakes until we find them something. Yeah. And so if you're... If you don't know the lakes you wouldn't even know where to start.
3: And it is a learning curve When I first started I mean I, I'm growing up here is one thing. I knew a lot of the Huntsville lakes and Lake of Bays and but uh, getting out north and north is what we've done and even in Carney I know all the small lakes now. I mean it takes time though and it takes uh, but I've been lucky to have a teacher that has been getting listings in all these lakes for years. so every time we go to a new lake, she is the one letting me know exactly what i need to know and it's just been you know uh but i and another good thing for a new
2: agent to do would be to talk to a more experienced agent and to work with one i mean honestly to go in up front and tell an agent up front i would like to work for you but that's a tough thing who wants someone to work for them for two three years and you train them and get them exactly where you want them and then they leave to go on their own (laughs) but that happens right it does happen a lot yeah Yeah. it's uh
0: i think it's a challenging part you know the teams versus non-teams is a it's a whole other conversation and
2: uh it's not in construction here too though right like so many businesses the train a mason or the trainer and that the younger guy goes and leaves and takes half the business it just it is the way of the world it is yeah? for sure yeah.
0: for sure you know when you look back at Covid, you know the conversations that I would have four weeks ago and how to build and market and grow your business, you're getting a peak result in your business is different today than how I'm going to speak to you about what's next. You know how are you serving your clients through this this time? Like, are you proactively still looking for new listings? Are you like how do you operate in this new environment?
3: Listings are coming up, so we are sending them to clients. Um, We just got a note today that in um all of our area there's no showings until april 8th um which is great because i found i had a lot of clients that were uncertain as we were in essential service things were still coming on the market they wanted to see it but then they weren't allowing showings but some properties were um, so Very they were confusing. worried about missing out right yeah. um, but now we've got that email that no showings till april 8th at least um, my clients kind of can take a breath, <laughs> but we are still listing cottages that sort are of vacant. Um, so we're kind of getting them prepared. We're pre-listing them for the next, you know, putting the date as end of April um, to have them on the market then.
2: And we still have snow and ice on the lakes here. I mean, yeah. realistically, this is still early for cottage country. I mean, people are always bracing to get on the market, but. I mean, if you want full value for your cottage or your residence, if people come and there's snow on the ground, ice on the ground, they can't see any of your landscaping, it's not ideally the best time to get full value. If you have to sell this time of year, understood. But most people were saying, best way to admit it, end of April, is ideal. And then come on the market when everything's opening. Buyers can hopefully by then start to creep out and be safe in showings. And um, and that's when the market, I we're hoping by you know sort of may to june will start to be slow very conservative book showings very protective but um and no open houses but we're hoping that by then there'll be some ability to show properties yeah
3: and we're gonna have all of our listings kind of prepped for when that time comes mm. um, staged and yeah ready yep. yeah so
0: is um is internet lead generation something that is in your yes you do every day like is yeah. that
2: We actually have a really good website company. We're with REW out of the States and, and yeah, webmasters. Yeah. And they basically are, are uh, real estate webmasters. Yeah. We don't get
3: um, a crazy amount of leads from them. We get a manageable, managed, manageable amount. (laughs) Um, So, you know, uh, this time of year, it's a bit slower in the summer. We might get, a few a day but we just keep in contact with them and it you know it's it's been good um it
2: there's a lot of interest a lot yeah, of buyer interest they tend to
3: be more serious if they're coming directly to our site rather than some other site um we've done did another lead program and we didn't find any yeah. interest in that um no yeah i just
2: i, I just wanted to get back to me because i was going to a bit of a rant today rich about the essential services and then how they came through as essential service for real estate so i had a lot of buyers contact me and say we want to go look at this. College. We, want go, we want to go look at houses, which is fair enough because we were. They saw essential service, and that was their impression of. Right. us uh, Oh, and then my office and Royal Page and all in our real estate board, and we're saying, and Aria, Ontario Real Estate Association, was saying, please don't show anything, please. So it was a very mixed message. And so I'd say to buyers, but then other agents were showing, and my buyers were like, "Well, we're going to miss out on this if you don't." It put real stages in a very difficult. I, I,
3: and I was really
2: like feeling so uncomfortable with the whole situation, and then now I'm so glad that April 8th has been set out as a designated day. Cause now we can all say April 8th. Nothing will happen, so we can but all. That's
3: just for Muskoka, but I yeah. mean, I'm sure other. Uh, I'm
2: sure there'll be other be places safety. that will be. I'm sure we're taking our guidance from Borel Page uh, Canada, who are also taking their guidance from Korea, from real, all the all the different real estate mm-hmm. associations. Hopefully, but it really we we need to stop everything. And I mean, these virtual showings. I mean, we talked about that before we spoke to you, but I don't think I'd be completely comfortable because people do a virtual showing and they're like, "Oh, I didn't know there's train track like 600 feet away." All right, You just there's so many variables that could change things, especially in waterfront. Well, I didn't realize it was weeds next door. You know, I didn't realize that they had a dog that barked a lot. I don't know. That there's just a whole bunch of things that could go wrong and people could back out and say that they really weren't well represented. And I think that puts us in a bad position because I think that unless somebody has to buy, um, I think it's not a good time to do it until you've seen something personally.
0: I love your integrity, to be honest with you. I. I- you know, there's a big push. And I'm watching some people do some things about virtual stuff, but I completely agree with you. Um, I think this is a time where um, how we respond, or how anyone in any business responds today, is going to dictate what the consumer is going to think about you in the future. Yes, like this is so important right now, and it's. I think people have to lead by example, take a stand for what's important to you and what goes against, like in your heart, and what you would want for yourself.
2: Yes.
0: Yes. It's a very important time for the real estate industry. And I completely agree that leadership for a period of time was very unsure in how to lead. Yeah. Right. Essential yeah. service, yes, but in practicality, no. Yeah. Closing uh, right deals. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That needs to continue on. Mm-hmm. But I understand how difficult it is to go and show property when you're being told you
2: cannot be around other people. And I think, and our, it, and our, and our insurance may not, our insurance not, may not, our insurance will likely not cover deals of virtual showings. If something goes wrong. Yeah. So you sell something and it goes to closing and there's a lawsuit. Our insurance will likely not back you. So, because they're say, they're going to say, um, that they can't protect us in this environment and i don't blame them I, I i just think they should just stop all the way across the board virtual showings virtual office If people have to live somewhere because they've sold their home um i think it should be closings are extended there should be some other like governments giving 72 million dollars but people are getting money for everything else i think they have to extend closings where practicable
0: it's a super unique time, and um, it's um. When you look at your clients today, I mean, how are you communicating with them today about this? Are you saying just not, we're not doing it, we're not showing properties?
3: Well, right? now we aren't allowed
0: to. Not so. allowed, right? Yeah. yeah,
3: which is... In- been good because uh we were kind of showing some of our own listings and taking a lot of precautions, wearing gloves sanitizing staying away making sure the owner left all the lights on and doors open um we did a few like that um it's uncomfortable for everyone yeah and like i said that was mainly because um buyers had a fear of missing out but now there's no showings it's going to be a lot easier that fear of missing out will be gone yes. um so i think everyone'll be okay with you know holding off so
0: what are you saying to your database today? The people in your circle of influence, are you communicating with them? Talking oh, yeah. to the market? Talking with
2: the, the sellers, talking with my sellers, uh, like, had like two, two conversations yesterday, like on a Zoom call, where you're just chatting, and just basically running through the scenarios of what could happen and what may happen, because mm-hmm. nobody knows. But, my thoughts are about this market is there's still a great deal of, de- of demand by buyers. Like we're getting, I'm getting a lot of contact from buyers saying we want to buy. When can we buy? Can we buy now? Can we look now? So I'm telling my sellers um, that I think at the end of the year, it's all going to pan out to be fine. Okay. So just be patient and people that are desperate and 99.9% of our clients will say when they list, we don't have to sell. <laughs> it's a Muskoka way. We don't have to sell. Oh, but you're listening, but we don't have to sell. Mm -hmm. So most people don't have to sell should just wait it out a bit. The weather is still early in the season. You're going to potentially make more money if you wait and don't have a virtual offer where someone's basically taking a risk. And I would want to get a good deal if I was doing a virtual offer, wouldn't you? You know, if I was going to buy something sight unseen, I'd be like, okay, I need to get a deal because I'm not paying full, you know. (laughs) So just, just wait it out. That's what I'm telling all my clients. Wait it out if you can. Give us even to the end of April. Yeah. And and we'll talk, we'll talk all the way through though. Keep conversation going. Mm-hmm.
0: So how do you get better during this time? What do you do to condition your mind to get through this period of time? Do you have a coach? Do you work at it? Like is there a process that you go through to keep yourselves strong?
3: Well, we're still like the benefit of our business is there's so many vacant cottages. We have a few. Um, that we're actually listing now, so you know we're able to get into these completely vacant cottages, start staging them, start getting ready to list. Um, we've been pretty busy actually in this time doing that. Um, I mean, yeah, these
2: cottages have been vacant since October, yeah. so they're COVID free completely, so we can yeah we can go through and get them staged and get them ready. So we're still pretty busy, and keep I keep a lot of contact with my my seller clients and my buyer clients, like just even sending them out new listings and saying this is new, you know, can't, can't show it to you, but I don't really feel like this is what you want. And you know, the time will come where everybody can buy that needs to buy. But right now it's just not the time. That's
0: right. So it sounds like to maintain a business today, you have to communicate in such a way that it's not about you, right? It's about them. And it sounds like to me, that's a pretty normal thing in in business. But sometimes I find in real estate, it becomes about the agent. And not about the end client.
3: We see that sometimes up here, there's a you know a few agents that are like that, but they tend to decline. They start maybe start off doing pretty well, and then it you know integrity is such a big thing in the Muskoka area, um, and it's so such a small community that word gets around fast. If people feel that they were misrepresented or they don't trust their agent. So that word really gets around. So, um, it really has to be
2: yeah, over 32 years. I've seen it. I've been just doing my business on a steady, um, I never wanted to have a large company. I mean, that's good for people to do, but I'm happy to have the boutique. I've always worked within the frame of another, within a company. And I've made as much money as some small companies did anyway. And I've always felt that I had some kind of integrity control. And when Britt wanted to join the business, she graduated from U of T, bachelor of science, had a lot of options of things she could have done. When she said she wanted to work with me, she'd already got it. She was working for the summer job before she went back to get her master's and already done two out of three of the real estate course. I was pleased because I knew that she would have the same kind of integrity I would have, and she would have the same kind of personal service. And I knew that I had, if not, certainly not a clone, but I knew I had an extension. So this has worked very well for us, the boutique real estate. And we can keep track of, of what our sellers and our buyers want and need. Our conversations are open. And I think the, um, the idea of having a larger company with a lot of agents I just um I it just wouldn't work for me personally. So we, we do one part of the it's market pers- and they do another part. Yeah, right?
3: they, like that's good for residential. Cottage service is very personal. It's very emotional. Um at least what from what we found. Yeah, I mean, um having people break down and cry in front of us is normal. Not uncommon, yeah. So it's a very personal service that we provide and uh uh, yeah, and they're we, not here
2: so yeah. they have to really count on us that locking up doing the right thing looking after their property um, having the um, Empathy with the family cottage been the family for 60 years to always keep in mind that it is um, it, it is more than just a building right. you know, so we, we do all that we because we, that's been my family. We've had cottages in the area My great-grandfather came up in 1912 and bought 100 acres on a lake um, at an auction down uh, oh. Yeah, he was a butcher. I was born in the
0: wrong family. family, apparently.
2: Yeah, 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 no, it was great. No, so it just, it's been in our family. I grew up at a college, my dad grew up at a college. We have all this life experience that changes from, and the kids, my kids all grew up on lakes here. So it just, we are, um, we just understand like, the whole lifestyle. We understand. So when people contact us now and they reach out and how are you doing business in this, we can now honestly say to them, for the next two or three weeks, We can prep you, we can have conversations, but we can't do anything more than that. And it just takes all the pressure off our sellers too.
3: Yeah, it was definitely a big sigh of relief. The
2: sellers are very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable too. I think
0: it's really great. I think something's really unique. So so you've had such a depth of experience that quite frankly would have been lost. Yeah. Without you, Britt. No, seriously, That, like, I look at that and I say, wow. If Britt wasn't there, and, it w- you know, where does all this information go that's in your head, mm-hmm. right? And that's where… You might be saying it's better to be buried. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's such a unique situation. Yeah, some of it. <laughs> it's unique because you've spent a lifetime acquiring this information about lakes. So, it's not a residential market. It's, it's very um, specific, and you have to have an in-depth knowledge to be good at it. So it's not like someone can just jump in and be great at it. So I think it's it's amazing situation to have both you here, and that's why your conversation is a little bit different because, you know, when you're working in the residential market, it's not too difficult to figure out what's on the next street. Anyone can do that. Then it becomes about branding and 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 and. and, and tons of leads and unmet people. And how do I market to thousands of people all at the same time? It's a different market completely. So I really respect what you guys are doing and passing that on to someone else inside the family is really unique. So that's, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Yeah. if you were to really nail down what separates a top producer from somebody who doesn't make it in the industry, Do you have any vision or ideas about what that is? Like, why is someone able to produce at a high level versus someone who has to leave the industry not being able to? What's that common denominator? Do you have
2: any idea?
3: Well, I think we talked about it a bit. Hard work is a big thing. I mean, um, like you said, going into the office when you're new, doing duty time, getting out to events, getting to know people. um,
2: The grind.
3: Yeah. Real estate kind of has to be on your mind, you know, twenty four seven.
2: After thirty two years, Rich, I'm telling you that it's not if someone's good looking. It's not just book charisma. I mean, I've seen people do spectacularly well that you know would do very well as a research accountant. You know, right. as a forensic accountant. I'm not nothing wrong with that, but just saying that the, the idea that everybody has to be like this flamboyant salesperson, like it's people that really. um have the integrity to work with people one-on-one to understand their needs and I guess to be able to sell because it really comes down to you have to be able to sell if you don't ever ask for an offer or ask for a listing you're not going to make any money and there's yeah. people that are so good at it and they talk themselves in and out of the deal right like the agent themselves right mm-hmm. so you have to be able to sell but still have the integrity and hard work
3: yeah integrity is a big thing because it- keeps uh, clients coming back as well. And as well as you get referral, they'll, you know, recommend other people. I mean, I've only been in the business three years. I've had clients buy things from me multiple times and then send their friends my way. Um, And that's been a very important thing. Um, Those people had maybe talked to another agent and, you know, felt shifted aside because maybe what they were asking for was, you know, maybe not... Um, that expensive or that important. But, you know, they've given me three or four deals over the last few years. And, um, you know, that's purely because integrity and, you know, we have a and trusting hard relationship and hard work and keeping in contact with people. Yeah, making sure that none of their requests feel, um, you know, like they dumb. don't matter. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. People say this is a dumb question. And it's like, not, they're usually not dumb questions. So yeah, but in an answer to that by somebody to be a top producer. I don't think there's any magic formula. I think, you know, all these Richard Robbins and I have good friends in the business and I love these friends and they're wonderful people, but they go off and do all these seminars and they go, and, and I remember him in the old days having all these tapes because he started me, they started, he started, and his wife started four or five years after me and he'd always have all the, this is how you do it. And I'd be like, that is so true. That is true. That is how you do it. Cause he'd run down the things of, but I said, you have to go in the office. You have to work. <laughs> like, you know, you can know all these secrets, but it comes down to hard work. If you're willing to put in 40 to 60 hours a week, every week, and treat it like a business, not like, I you know, nothing against real estate, but someone go in at noon and come back and look for someone to go for lunch with and never come back. So, I mean, if you're running it like a real business, you may not be a top producer, but you're probably going to make a living at it. If you have integrity, you're honest, you, you know, and you're a really hard worker, you're going to be able to make a living. And get this. back to
3: people right away. That's a huge thing. If Even if you're new in the business and someone, you get an email lead, um, if you get back to that person right away, they don't have a chance to talk to someone else. And also, they're normally very impressed that you've gotten back to them so yeah. quickly. Well, um, yeah, and they, you know, that expectation kind of goes throughout the whole process. But uh, that is enough to impress a lot of clients.
2: And, and here in the summer, I have people that I get back to, and they're like, You're the only person that got, and I, I talk to them, and then we talk again. And by Monday, they're coming up to look at a property, they, you know, and they're like, You're the only person that got back to us in three days. And then, like, two days later, they're like, Oh, someone's got back to us. And they're laughing because they've already had an offer. So I think it, it, a lot of people just, don't, it's not necessarily their number one priority. Right. Fine. <laughs>
0: When it's you say, well, it's great for everyone else who wants to work. Um, yeah. Hard work. So that tells me that we all know a lot, but there's a gap between knowing something and actually doing something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's the in the execution of the knowing. Like I actually got to execute. And that's yeah. where 99% of people seem to fall down. Yes. Whether it's they care too much what other people think right? Wanting to be liked, not wanting to be disliked, right? They don't want to execute on an idea. And to me, you know, like that friend that you were discussing, all the tapes, books, seminars, tips, tricks, but then there's the execution that they were falling down and that's a, that's self image problem. Right.
2: Right. Like I did always joke and you'd say yeah, the, the one thing I haven't got today that I need in my briefcase. And I'd be like, what's that? It's like motivation. <laughs> I'm going back home. I'm like, okay. I just laugh. So yeah, not everybody's the same. Like, so people are happy to just make a little bit of money and to have a lot of free time. And yeah. that's the agent you want is someone that you want to work smart and still have a life and have a balanced life because if they don't have a balanced life, they're not going to have the integrity um, to treat you properly because they're not going to have the empathy. They're not going to, they're basically, if they're working all the time, mm-hmm. that their, their motivation is no longer the client. Um, they, it, it's some kind of machine. Well, feeding. And in
3: the cottage industry, they don't always understand what they're selling. Um, because understanding what the cottage life is all about is another thing that's really important.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. People have never had a cottage, never lived in the water. <laughs> another agent I'm friends with, him, and he said, you know, like, I just don't know why somebody spend that kind of money for a place like that in the water when you get a beautiful house in a subdivision over there. And just like, then you just keep selling the house in the subdivision. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And that's true, though, right? Like in this market we're in now, a lot of people buy a 1.4 million house by the golf course, which is gorgeous. Or you can buy a 1.4 million dollar place on one of the bigger lakes in Huntsville or Lake of Bays, and it's not gorgeous, right? But you're on water. So that's the difference in the market that we understand, why that person buys the sound of the okay place, right on the lake versus the beautiful place on the golf course. You're
0: buying an idea and you're buying a lifestyle.
2: You're buying yeah. you're buying also your grandchildren coming up I've and staying with you. Way. Your, your are yeah, you're bribing back. the grandkids. Yeah, and the kids wanting to come over from overseas if they're working, like I've got clients that their kids work everywhere in the world and they come back for a week or two because they like the lake style, right? So you're also, yeah, you're you're it's a drawing card to keep your family close.
0: You know, the message that I'm getting you from today is a couple of things. So I'd like to summarize for our listeners. Um there's a lot of great pieces of information in our conversation. And one of them is that integrity's Super important in your business, especially in the college business. People need to know, like, and trust you that you know what you're talking about. So know your inventory, right? That's a takeaway. Know what you are talking about. Secondly, do the work. Talk to people every single day about whether or not they want to buy a piece of property. It doesn't sound like rocket science.
2: And what's really right for them. Because uh, you know, it's in, in real estate, it, it can happen that uh, an agent goes out with a preconceived notion of what they'd like that buyer to buy, and we're just the opposite. We take the buyer out, and we show them. And then sometimes we'll just say, check this out. And they're like, oh, my God. That's the one! I, I love it. Like, I never would have thought. And it's like, yeah, you know.
3: Yeah, you need to gain a perspective of what your buyer wants, even if they don't fully know what they want, yes. uh, just by seeing what they like. and. Yeah, that's part of just really listening to your buyers and getting them to be very honest with you so you can figure out what they want, even if
2: they don't really know what they and want. And even if it takes a year or two, because in the cottage market, yeah, a couple of years is not unusual. Yeah. I have clients that will smile up there and watch this They're like, yeah, that was us. But just being <laughs> patient and letting them find what they need to find and helping them all the way through the process without dropping them, without um, becoming uh, impatient and just always be there to service them and even takes a year or two you know they're not going to be looking at things every second day they're going to be looking at things maybe four or five times a year until they can find what they're looking for Mm -hmm.
0: i really appreciate the time that you spent with us today um you have such a unique perspective on the cottage industry especially in the real estate world um thank you so much for sharing it means a lot and what you're doing is you're actually you know, for the agents that are driving from downtown Toronto to buy a piece of property may not be serving their client to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. That's being said gently. Yes. Um, so I-
2: I've, worked with, I've worked with Toronto agents that have worked with me and I have paid them a referral when they bought the property. And they've come to me and said, I'm a Toronto agent, but I know that if I work with you, I'm going to get a better property. I'm going to get what I'm looking for. And uh, just rebate them twenty five percent referral on the commission. Yeah. When I,
3: when sometimes it, when we see things go for much higher than we would have assumed they go for, a lot of the time it's because a Toronto agent has come up and sold that property to
2: one of their buyers, um, and you know it's. And then we end up working with their buyers when they go to sell, and they're like, "Oh, I bought it from my brother-in-law, and he didn't know what he's doing. you know." Not saying everybody, because there's some deals that go down that Toronto agents sell because they and they do a good job, and it's just that sometimes they don't know value. So when it comes down to discussing my- value. Yeah, you're just like pay full price. That's what's happening in the GTA,
0: right? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's know your market, know where you should be playing in, and you know, most people yeah. should not be playing
2: up there. So, and we don't play in the Toronto market. We don't go any further than like Graveners is our line. You know, that's the line we don't go past. After that, when you hit the Rock Cut on Highway 11, we don't know what's we, we don't know what's going on <laughs> in real seat land, and we don't we don't need to. That's everybody else's job. 100%. Well, I appreciate you guys very much.
0: Thank you for sharing sometimes. Once you give it, you never get it back. So, thank you so much for giving back to the industry and you giving back to other people who are trying to understand how to operate in the real estate market. So, thank you very, very much.
2: Thank you, yeah, Rich. Thank you. How do people
0: reach out to you? What's your website? Steeper.com or teamberg.ca. Perfect, and we'll post all that um, at the end of the video. So thank you so much. Thank you for asking.
1: Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you are fit to work with Peak Results Academy, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to peakresultsacademy.com slash call. That's peakresultsacademy.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what do you really want out of life and your business? Number two, what is not working for you today? And number three, the exact strategy you should be using to create massive change in these areas. Remember, changing your life and creating massive results does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We're helping clients all over the world create peak results in their health, in their businesses, and in their personal lives. To see if we can help you do the same, head over to peakresultsacademy.com slash call. We'll chat soon.